so much more. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12 stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I am excited to have Kat Armstrong with me as we have a conversation around Psalm 23 and what the Lord is teaching her. Kat holds a master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, and she's also a gifted communicator, teacher, and preacher. And she's the author of two really good books, No More Holding Back and The In-Between Place. And she is also the co-founder of The Polished Network, which is an outreach for professional women navigating career and exploring faith. So welcome, Kat. I am so excited that you're with us today. Jody, you're one of my favorites. So this is a joy and a privilege to spend some time with you. I totally agree. It is super fun to spend time with you as well. Well, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you're passionate about. I gave a pretty generic bio for you. So give us the real cat for a minute. <laughs> well, thanks for the warm introduction, Jody. It means a lot. And especially coming from someone like you, you know, my mission in life is to encourage curious Christians to explore Bible stories. I mean, that is just who I am and what I'm all about. Everything I'm reading, even my desire to go back to school, every speaking engagement I have, every time I open the scriptures, I'm thinking about the curious Christians who are reading Bible stories and really want to explore them imaginatively. Um, so I'm a, like you said, an author and a Bible teacher primarily and serving on the Polish Network board in the founder role is such a joy. So I get to share the vision and mission of the Polish Network. And essentially, we gather professional women to navigate career and explore faith. So if someone's listening today, and you're a woman and you're working, I love you. And the Polish Network would love to serve you. And we do so with online digital resources, and then local connection groups all over the nation. Um, so that's what I spend most of my time doing. And then I'm also a really proud working mom. I'm a boy mom to Caleb. He's eight. And Aaron and I have been married for 20 years. Thanks for letting us know about Polished. I, if you are a working woman, definitely find the Polished Network. We'll give you some resources. There'll also be in the show notes for how you can connect with them. Um, and so you don't want to miss out on that resource. Well, I want to give a quick reminder of the passage that we are in. We are meditating on Psalm 23, the entire Psalm. It's just six verses, and um, it is probably the most beloved Psalm of the 150 Psalms, uh, which is a blessing and a curse for meditating on because a lot of us are very familiar with these words. And so um, I want to read them for us again and just invite you to let them be fresh and new to you as I read them for you. So this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, well, Kat, we did this psalm as Electio Divina, asking the Lord to help draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So as you were doing this process, where did the Lord take you in, in your time with him? I couldn't get past verse one. And in my, in the version I use every day, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And I couldn't move past it, Jody. I've been resonating on it for weeks. It's just been marinating in my brain. And I think I've started to reframe conversations I have with myself about the needs that I have. And instead of going to my husband or to Jesus or to a friend and bemoaning all the needs that I have right now, I've got some difficult relationships. I've got some work challenges. I've got some personal development I need to be working on. And I'm acutely aware of where I need God. And Jody, for me, I couldn't move past this little phrase. I have what I need. And so I've just started to say it out loud <laughs> to myself in the car while I'm on my walks. I have what I need as opposed to how is this going to work? How is this all going to work out? Instead to say, I have what I need for this moment right now. Yeah. I love that. Tell, tell me what is the translation that you read right now? It's CSB, the Christian standard Bible. I love reading it in different translations. I'm using the NIV in our meditations, but I do encourage you if these passages strike you, go look them up in other translations. Um, this phrase, I lack nothing. I have what I need. I'll be honest with you. That's the place I usually get stuck in this Psalm as well. In fact, this is my 2 a.m. verse. Um, when I start, when I wake up in the morning, uh, when I'm not, when I'm supposed to be sleeping, when I wake up and I'm not supposed to be awake, this is one of the verses that I meditate on because I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He's going to take care of me because usually what's happening at 2 a.m. is my mind is going a thousand miles an hour. So it's the same type of thing. Just reminding our soul what is true. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Okay, Jody. You know, I too go to this verse instinctually when I am scared of death or scared to death. And I wrote something as I was meditating on the, that one particular verse. And I wrote the 23rd Psalm was my mainstay in college when my brother attempted suicide, when my parents went bankrupt for the second time in my thirties, the 23rd Psalm was my plumb line. When my father-in-law went into surgery for quadruple bypass on his heart. And when my mom had a cancer diagnosis, it's almost like, I don't even have to open up the Bible. It comes from a place inside where I'm like, it's just where I go. It's the song I say to myself when I'm scared of death or I'm scared to death. And I think a lot of people 
feel that way. Um, and I think it's interesting that it's where our faith becomes real because when we're in those dark valleys, you know, this whole Psalm is about trust and confidence and who God is. And sometimes we can say we have confidence in him, but we really start to have confidence in him when things are really hard. Yes. Well, we have to cling to our confidence in him when things are really hard. A thousand percent. I agree with you. I love, um, I love what you just said that you go here when you're afraid of death or afraid to death. And I, I think that is true of so many Christians. And this is a verse that I would encourage everyone. If you don't know it, memorize it, memorize this whole Psalm. Actually, um, it's not a hard one to memorize and it will be something that's in the toolbox that just comes out at the, when you need it, which is frequently, um, because of the world we live in and, and, and the things going on around us, we need this. So, okay, Kat, I'm curious as you were meditating on it this time and, and you're stuck here, where, where do you go with the Lord? What are you talking about specifically right now in your life? Yeah. Something I wrote down, Jody, is that it's okay to be Jesus's needy sheep. It's <laughs> good. You know, if I have what I need, it almost implies I need something and God has it. Uh, but I don't like being a needy person. I don't like asking for help or receiving it. And I love to be viewed as autonomous, independent, um, self-sufficient. And we know that those things don't have a place <laughs> in our relationship with God. It only really takes us away from him. So I'm aware of that, but I just want to be real and tell you that is where I really struggle. And so when I think about, I have what I need, it's almost like I have to become comfortable being Jesus's needy sheep and knowing that's okay because he's the good shepherd. Yeah. He's the good shepherd. Oh, that's really good. I, I think that's something we need to hold on to as well. Being a needy sheep is actually the exact right place we need to be. Um, the Lord as our shepherd means that we need someone to care and tend to us. And, uh, as soon as we try to be the the ones that are caring and tending to all of us, which Kat, you are absolutely not alone in that. <laughs> I want to be seen as capable and I've got this. And, and in my relationship with the Lord, I have had to humble myself over and over again, fall to the place of Lord. I have no idea. I do not know what to do next, what you want next, but I know that you're my shepherd. I know that you're my good shepherd and, um, and that you'll provide. So keep going with, uh, with that train of thought, where else did you go with the Lord in that? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely stopped in that key phrase. I have what I need. Um, but you know, as I continue reading Jody, the other thing I wrote down, the only other thing I wrote down was it's okay to be Jesus's wandering guest. If there's anything I love less, it is wandering without a plan or directions on my iPhone. <laughs> and I don't like being a wandering guest. If I go to someone's house, I kind of want to know what they're serving in advance and what I'm getting myself into and why we're meeting and um, call it control, call it being burned in the past, whatever it is, <laughs> there's something about it. And in this um needy place where Jesus is providing everything I need. I can also be a wandering guest because Jesus is my generous host. I think mm -hmm. that's the picture we get at the end of the Psalm when you're picturing someone who's being anointed with oil 
or good things at the table, the wine is flowing, it's overflowing out of the cup because you live, you're living such a, um, a good life with Jesus and that he's setting a table in the midst of our enemies and we're feasting with him in his presence among all the other crazy people we're with. But I wrote down, it's okay to be Jesus's wandering guest because Jesus is my generous host. So I know I always have a place with him, but I think that goes back to the phrase, I have what I need Um, as independent as I was, as I would like to appear. I am very insecure and always wondering what is my place? Do I belong here? And if I don't, why not? And I can spend a lot of brain space on that. And I, as I went through this passage again and again, I just kept thinking, I always have a seat at Jesus's table, but there's always room for me. There will always be a good meal. My cup will always be overflowing because he's such a generous host. Mm, I keep thinking of the word welcomed, that we are wanted and we are welcomed at his table. Uh, and the, the phrase wandering guest is such an interesting term because it feels um, like there's, there's tension in those two words for me. Um, because wandering doesn't feel like wandering feels very uncomfortable to me. Like I want to know where I'm going, but guest feels very welcoming to me. And so those two words together are um, like, even as you were saying them and unpacking them, I'm, I felt like this little bit like a knot in my, my, my soul thinking about what does it mean to be a wandering guest and to be content with wandering behind somebody who knows where they're going, right? We're not wandering aimlessly because we're following a good shepherd, Mm. um, but we're wandering with him Mm -hmm. um, as disciples do, as Jesus taught us to do, to follow him. Uh, And I'm assuming that's kind of even where, where you're going and talking about as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, is there anything else that surprised you as you were meditating on this Psalm this time or anything else to note about, um, Psalm 23 that stands out to you? You know, Judy, I hadn't really paid attention to the rod and staff before I've probably seen it in pictures and a child's storybook. I probably saw it on a little pictograph at some point in a church I grew up in. But I don't know that even in memorizing this and the song coming to mind over and over and over in the last couple of decades that I've zeroed in on Rod and Staff. And one of I went and looked up some other resources because I was curious. What does this mean? You know, what's this word picture? What's this poem describing? And um, Eugene Peterson suggested that many sheep were climbing up and down mountains and hills that had hills and valleys. And that late at night when you're moving the herd or there's rocky terrain or there's a steep cliff that sheep could wander and fall right off into an abyss, that it was the rod and the staff that would keep them close to the inside of a hill or a mountain and not be on the edge. And that picture was so beautiful for me to think about when I'm really struggling and when it feels like my life is on a cliffhanger. (laughs) that there's a rod and a staff that kind of swoops me back into safety. And I had not, I'd not pictured it that way before. Mm, I love that. One of the things 
that I know about you right now is that you've been doing some research on Psalm 23 because you have a bit of a project coming up that more details to come. So stay tuned on that. But as you've been researching and contemplating Psalm 23, which made it even harder for you to meditate on because you had so much back knowledge, but as you were, um, as you've been studying it, is there anything that you've discovered that has been, like the rod and the staff, is there anything else that you've discovered that you're like, Oh, I wish I had known that before, or that, that just opens my eyes to see the Psalm a little differently. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. One of the things I did not know, I should have known Jody. I really should have, but I did not know that the Psalms many times are categorized by scholars based on topic, which makes total sense. Sometimes you read the Psalm and you think, wow, this is a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> right. you, know, you get to a precatory Psalm. You're like, wow. But that Psalm 23 is in a family with four other Psalms. And the category is called trust. Hmm. Sometimes scholars call it confidence, but it's, it's, it's a designation that many scholars repurpose when it comes to Psalm 23, Psalm 91, Psalm 121, Psalm 125, and Psalm 131. Those five Hebrew poems all convey trust and confidence in God. And when you go and look at them, I look them all up. All of them allude to really hard times. And so it just drove down that point, Jody, for me, is that this this song about the terrors of our darkest valleys is grouped into a trust and confidence psalm. And for me, that feels like it shouldn't be, but then it makes total sense because that's when our faith really is activated. And so the, the note that I made that I write in this upcoming project you mentioned is that our lowest points in life can can become the places where our faith and our trust grows deepest. And so instead of me thinking about this really just being a valley or a grave or a dark place full of shadows that rather it can be the birthplace of trust and confidence in Jesus. Yeah, that's absolutely been my experience with the Lord is when things are going really well, I trust him at a head level, but when the bottom falls out, that's when I have to trust him at the heart level. That's when it has to become, I have to live out my faith in just depending on all the things I know that are true about him, reminding my soul of what is right, reciting things like Psalm 23 and these other Psalms. Some of them are, I love many of these Psalms. This was so really fun exercise for me. And you know, I love Lectio Divina. So this is awesome. Yeah. Tell me about that. Cause I've heard you say that this is one of the things that you do all the time with the Lord. So is this a spiritual practice that you um, use in your time with the Lord? And if so, tell us a little bit about that. Every day, Jody. there are very few things I do every day. Um, and of course I miss some here or there, but it has become so grafted into my rhythms. I can't go a couple days without it. Um, we just rewatched the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and all of the Chronicles of Narnia that have movies with them. And 
Lectio Tavina to me is what Lucy has with Aslan, like just has to be with him. That's how I feel when I practice Lectio Divina. So always in a gospel, always resonating on some of Jesus's words for me. Um, and feeling as though we're in conversation with words he's already said to somebody else, but yeah. And it doesn't take very long now that I've been in a rhythm for a couple of years, um, but I love it. Yeah. It's meaningful for me in the exact same way. Um, I always am, I, I study the Bible for study and I meditate on the Bible in my kind of personal time with the Lord. Does that resonate with what you kind of do as well? Definitely. The time that I spend in Lectio Divina is the first thing I do with my day. It takes very little time. I love that. Um, But it also is very concentrated, close readings. Because like you said, I'm not study mode. So I'm not reading multiple chapters. Sometimes it only takes a few key phrases before my spirit is quickened. My attention is grabbed. I feel like I'm pausing and rereading something, a little phrase. And so it's very meaningful to me, but yeah, I'm with you. When I do study time, you know, I've got concordances out. I'm reading several chapters at a time. I'm taking notes with Lectio Divina. The, the words have my full attention and I feel as though I'm experiencing them Mm -hmm. as opposed to studying them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and letting the spirit really direct us to what is it you have for me today, Lord? Um, that, yes. So I love that you do that as a part of your normal rhythm with the Lord. That's awesome. Kat, one of the things that I was thinking about is your book, the in-between place and how it feels like it has this resonance with Psalm 23. So the book is actually focused on the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at the well. It's in John chapter four. Um, but I'm curious if you see some of these connections between the two themes and, and tell us a little bit about that. I I'd just love to know what you think of that. Jody, to be honest, until we got on this call, I had not given that much thought. And as soon as you said it, you saw me pull out something to start taking some notes. Um, but yes, I mean, the, the the beauty of the scriptures is that it's one unified story of redemption and that all these little micro stories and all these different Psalms that we read, they are all connected to the person of Jesus and his work but also this big arching overarching story of redemption. So I do see some resonance. I think just the fact that the next time we see discussion about a shepherd, he's called good and we know it's Jesus. And that happens in the book of John, just a couple of chapters after Jesus has his conversation with the woman at the well in John chapter four. I also think it's interesting that David in the Psalm 23 is meditating on an image of, of oil flowing, overflowing in a cup. And then in the woman at the well story, Jesus is presenting himself as the living water that will produce in her a well or a cup that is always overflowing and is producing water. And um, also found it really interesting that you know, David ends his Psalm with a picture of God chasing him down with goodness and mercy. 
as if he cannot get away from it, even in the darkest valleys, that goodness and faithfulness is pursuing him relentlessly. And what we see in the woman at the well story is that Jesus goes into a place that no, everyone would have avoided. And he goes there intentionally to have this conversation with her. And so what we see is Jesus pursuing her Mm. and bringing his goodness and his faithful love to her. Um, And the last thing I saw Jody just kind of at first reading when we were talking about this is that David ends his Psalm by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's going to worship and being the presence of God and Jesus's conversation with the woman at the well hinges on this very hotly debated theological conversation of her day, which where would the temple go? Which mountain should the temple be on? And based on what temple of what mountains it's on determines which group of people was worshiping God correctly. So this is a big hot topic in her day. And Jesus strikes up this conversation with her and entrust her with really deep theological truths. But essentially what he says is that there's coming a time when people will worship him in spirit and truth, and it won't matter where the temple will be. And it's almost like David is envisioning a life where he is always near to Jesus, always near to God um, and dwelling in his presence. And that's just what Jesus teaches the woman at the well, how to access his presence and how to worship him. Wow. That is amazing. And I literally asked you that question on the fly and you're like, oh yes, there's all these parallels. So I, I I'm sitting here listening to you going, you have such an amazing mind. I love the way it works and it made all of those connections. Tell me a little bit about why did you write your book, the in-between place? Yeah. I mean, Jody, you know, some of my story, I was grieving my father's passing and his death by suicide. And, you know, I, I can't talk about him or this without getting choked up every time. And these tears are an expression of my love for him and what a good dad he was and what a loving person he was and how much I miss him. And while I was grieving, I was meditating on the woman at the well story. And it just struck me how hard her life had been. And I was thinking of how difficult my own father's life had been. Mm. And I was making some parallels that Jesus had intercepted my dad's life. Thank goodness. And that my dad and Jesus had a deep relationship and Jesus really rescued my dad from a lot of things. And the woman at the well stories is parallel in that she had gone through a lot of hardships, likely being divorced, likely being widowed maybe even struggling with infertility, just she lived through some really hard things. And she was living in a time when her age and her lack um, would have made her marginalized at best and totally disposable in her society. And Jesus comes to her and has this really deep conversation and trusts her with truth before her life is mm. changed or different and commissions her And so I just really resonated with the story. If I'm honest, I found myself in her, her life. I found my dad's story in her life. And my big takeaway, Jody, was that we're all in these in-between places in between where we want to be and where we are right now. Mm -hmm. It's job transitions. It's, it's the people we love. Um, it's their death by suicide. It's, um, 
it's relationships ending, you know, it's, it's the deconstruction phase of rebuilding our faith. It's, those are in between places. And we're just always going to have those as a part of our life. And my big takeaway in the book, if you buy it, this is what you'll read over and over is that Jesus comes to us. Mm -hmm. When we're in between place, we don't have to, um, we don't have to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and we don't have to power through. He comes to us and the conversations we can have with him. We don't have to clean up, show up, be good, be better. He's ready to engage with us at such a deep level with the hardest things we we never want to talk about (laughs) or don't feel safe to talk about. And he goes to those places with us. I think he goes to in between places and he shows us that's where our story changes. It's where we go from being the woman who had no one to care for her and was on her own to survive to the woman who brought the good news for the first time in all of the new Testament. You know, it's the story of my dad um, wrestling with his upbringing and finding peace in Jesus. And it's my story, you know, that I don't have to be self-sufficient in my in-between places. I can be rescued by my savior. That's my story. And that's how Jesus is changing it. I thank you so much for sharing. That's so encouraging to me. And I think all of us who are in between something. Well, Hey, thank you so much for being here and for joining us on the podcast. And, um, where can people find you? Yeah, I live on Instagram. I'm on there way too much. I'm getting notifications (laughs) every day that my time limit is up. So as long as you're not creepy in the DMs, I would love to chat with you there. So very accessible on Instagram. And then check out my website. I've got some free resources for anyone listening, specifically my 30-day hope guide. I feel like has just been such a resource and encouragement. If you want to pray through 30 days of hope, I put some verses together and some prayers. And, um, but yeah, check out what I'm doing over there. I post all the time, what I'm up to, where I'm speaking. And I think another way to stay connected, Jody, is to invite me to come speak to your group. I just love to teach the Bible and I'll speak on whatever topic you give me from the scriptures. I'd love to come and study with you guys. That sounds amazing. Well, Kat, thanks again. And I also want to thank you all for joining me on so much more where we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, We study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.